Hi, and welcome to this newest episode of No Really Everything's Fine, the proposal management podcast by proposal managers for proposal managers, where we are joining you from usually a flaming dumpster. But today we have a delightful guest, Ben Klein, who is the recipe officer at Pi, my co-founder at Proposal Industry Experts, and a tech guru who's going to teach us all about artificial intelligence and how chat GPT and similar programs might revolutionize the industry. Uh, my name is Catherine Bennett. I am the co-founder of Proposal Industry Experts and No Really Everything's Fine podcaster. So excited to be coming to you live and direct today. Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about the location where we are re recording from today? Right now, we are at the domestic terminal at YVR, just underneath the baggage carrier handle. And this is where the offshoot is. So there's a large pylon about 2000 pounds that shoves luggage off of the belt really noisily so i apologize if there's any bumps or sounds that's my fault for illegal luggage a is truly it <laughs> is it on fire <laughs> Some, sometimes it comes out so fast it makes the luggage blow up but you know <laughs> only only hard shell only hard shell <laughs> A truly horrifying location to be talking yeah. about, about no really everything's fine type topics. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Nicole to introduce yourself and then we'll get started on our conversation. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of No Really Everything's <laughs> Fine. I'm one of your hosts, Nicole Robinson, aka the RP Queen. Uh, I am a proposal management professional, have been in the industry for approximately 16 years. And I currently work as a sales operation, operation, operations, mm -hmm. operations manager, uh, focused on bid management for a global cybersecurity firm based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I'm also the founder of the Proposal Managers Planner. Welcome, if you Ben. Have, if you don't have one of those, you've got to get your hands on one of those planners. I, mine, Ben just brought it down. I got my hands on the hard copy for the first time. I'm so impressed. That thing is hefty. Ten for ten. Love it. I, 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 like literally use it to defend yourselves. <laughs> it is no joke. Yeah, it, it is a substantial uh, object. And but I I saw on LinkedIn that it's sold out. So I think someone's got to get working on a yes. second batch. Yes, volume two is coming. Um, and I'm gonna make changes as soon as I started using it. I was like, oh, we're gonna do, we're gonna change that. We're gonna change. And it's not gonna be massive like changes so that when volume two hits, people who get it for their new after using it for the first six months and start for their next six months, I'm going to be like, so <laughs> we have some talking to do because why wasn't this in version one? No, it's not going to be so wildly different. Um, but the changes will, massive changes will come when I start um, customizing them for specific areas of proposal industry tasks, task related things. So there's going to be some more of those updates coming, but yeah. Oh, that's I great. Know it's super I'm excited. exciting. Okay, Ben, do you want to tell everybody about yourself? Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, my name is Ben Klein. I run uh, a proposal consultancy or proposal response firm uh, based out of here in Vancouver. I started, like most people, at random. Uh, we are geek proposals. Um, anyways, we focus mainly on the analytics and operation and governance of proposals. Uh, and uh, yeah, we serve, I don't know, something like 13 clients uh, right now. Uh, everything from like major international software firms all the way down to uh, small local engineering companies. Uh, so really have a lot of experience. We have just passed our 34,000th uh, proposal submitted. Um, anyways, myself personally, I'm about 3,200. And then also 
Uh, I am a co-founder uh, with Catherine uh, for Proposal Industry Experts, or sorry, Proposal Industry Experts, uh, a community that focuses on inclusivity and accessibility, and just helping proposal managers and proposal professionals advance their careers. So, yeah, and it does, it. it really does. Like if you're if you're not eating up some goodness on pie, please find yourself there, listeners. Yeah. You know, shameless <laughs> plug, shameless plug for my friends Ben and. And, and Catherine right now, but it's it's an amazing place. And community, I literally was having a conversation with two other professionals in this space just this week, yesterday to be exact. And we were talking about the importance of community and Pi really does create a space for people who do this job to be able to collaborate and talk and sometimes just get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> We, I'm pointing to myself. We need it. We need it. We need it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Speaking of making our job easier. Um, oh, transition. Very good transition. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of making our jobs easier. Um, part of what is emerging in the space right now is this advent of, of artificial intelligence, machine learning, which machine learning is not necessarily new into the proposal space. We've been using machine learning technologies at Lupio and at other organizations to, um, to, for instance, intake proposals. So it's easy for us to identify what's a question uh, versus where an answer might need to go, right? So machine learning is not necessarily new into this space. But what's different is that now machine learning and AI are starting to write parts of our proposals. Mm -hmm. And and we're able to leverage this technology in new and exciting ways. And we've talked about this a little bit on proposal industry experts and some of our special conversations, which we can link in the show notes if we feel like that's useful here. But Ben has been thinking about this for a long time and has come up with some really incredible use cases. So Ben, what's your initial impression of, of these recent and rather speedy advances of AI into our space? And and what do you think what do you think is on the horizon for us as proposal teams? Oh my goodness, uh, that is such a long question. Do I only have 30 minutes? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I think uh, that there are a lot of people that are talking about it and it's um, a lot of people are not being overly exaggerative when they say that it is going to change this position entirely. Uh, it's gonna change this role entirely. So the ease with which it takes uh, administrative tasks off your shoulders is so incredible. Um, and I know a lot of people criticize it for not being a natural writer or an interesting writer necessarily. Um, I, I have two arguments with that. Uh, one, it's possible that the, the need for like really, really impressive writing inside a proposal is maybe over-exaggerated. And then two, uh, honestly, there are some very interesting creative aspects that you can do at scale uh, that you cannot do currently. Uh, within your proposal process. And those two areas are the ones that I am most interested in um, developing, especially with like uh, ChatGPT or because uh, I know that they've gone now to a premium package where you can pay for a monthly uh, a subscription, which is fantastic. Uh, and then with other AI writers, because of course, all of them will need to catch up now, um, now that ChatGPT has, has hit the, the mainstream so quickly. So uh, there's definitely there's definitely a lot. And then, and as for where it's going, um, I think that we are, if you are in the technology space with proposal management, you already know about proposal response tools. And there's a lot of really, really interesting advancements there. But as Catherine says, the primary use case so far for machine language has been take this word cluster, match it to another word cluster and bring it in. Right. Mm -hmm. And then typically there still needs to be a human review. And as procurement has gotten more complicated or more complex, 
um, with people being able to like submit to you a thousand or two thousand or three thousand questions um, at a drop of a hat, either because they've they've gotten a template from a consultant that they purchased from, or even now some of the platforms are providing them with a baseline template uh, that adds an extra 500, 600 questions to it. <laughs> I mean, especially for you, Nicole, in your space, security, I find has just like burgeoned. Like it's gone from a point where they just asked like a couple of quick security questions and now it's it's endless. Um, but anyways, because of the the mass amount of, of questions, those proposal response tools were really good at like kind of helping reduce the workload. But mm -hmm. ChatGPT gives us a chance to actually bring more strategy into our proposal response. Um, okay. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you can t uh, you can say to ChatGPT, "Hey, take this piece of content that I've written and like make it friendlier, make it more enthusiastic, make it more salesy. Write it at an eighth grade level, right?" So just think about that, though. If you are currently using a proposal response tool to bring content in, imagine if your sales AE came to you and said, look, the key winning feature is this, this, and this, right? And then you can go to ChatGPT and say, rewrite all the content that you're about to bring into this. And uh, where possible, try to add these things and then flag it to my attention so that I only have to review those parts, right? Um, and the idea is you can create this situation at scale where suddenly we talk about like win themes or win strategies and now everything you write is aligned to that win theme whereas right now with the current proposal response tools there's a lot of material that goes in there and we it's it's honestly just carbon copy from our last bid uh maybe we change maybe we use a merge variable or something similar uh that allows us to change the customer name or something about the customer how the customer names their field workers or their technicians mm -hmm or the date of our product or something like that, or whatever. Now we can actually restructure the content uh, so that it is written specifically for that customer. Like, hey, we know you care about, let's go for security. We know you care about disaster recovery or uh, disaster response. Everything we do in our comments is gonna be written around that. Like, here's where we provide uh, redundancy for you. Here's where we provide protection for you. And I don't have to do that anymore, right? Like I don't have to look at their 1000 questions and think, where could I add that key theme, right? I can have ChatGPT just do that for me. And it does it in a snap. So well, that just completely kicks my whole first question out. Thank you. <laughs> What's your first question, Nicole? What was my your first, first question was going to be like, how, what is, what do you think the number one way to use a tool like ChatGPT would be for proposal professionals? In oh. my very basic and limited thinking, I was like, okay, you know, it, it'll help you just literally answer the question. No, no, no. This is way more sophisticated than just helping me answer the question. I mean, building in my win themes throughout all of my answers? Yes. Nicole, <laughs> I, let I, me tell you, let me tell I you how I've used it. this, how I've used this recently. So for some of my customers, they actually have mission, vision, values, and like core like core elements of their business listed on their web page right? right so i ask them to take our existing executive summary and integrate like i'll add, i'll load up the executive summary or the cover letter and i'll say can you please integrate how these three core values relate to what we've just said in, in the letter and it will put in a couple paragraphs and then again of course you have to refine like you can't right. just take it, what you can't just take right, what it says but but it gives you a lot of like really fertile language to say like okay this is something i can i can really craft into something that makes a lot of sense and especially at the end of the day when your brain just will not go it is a great way to start thinking about like 
like almost like writing prompts or ways mm. that you can start relating it back. There's, but Ben, I don't know. Do you, I wouldn't even say that what you described is the number one way. That's not the number one way that I would use it. Mm. Um, but but tell me if you agree that that's that that's the top the top use case. Uh, is that the top use case? Uh, it's it's so hard because there's just a lot of like really really good use cases uh, right. that I have that I haven't even explored in full. Right. So one is the ability to create content on the fly. Like that is really fantastic. So for mm -hmm. example, um, I work with a lot of organizations that use partners. And what we try to do is when we submit resumes or bios, um, mm -hmm. we take their material and we try to like hammer it into like our template as mm -hmm. much as possible. Mm -hmm. Here's what mm -hmm. I do instead now. I go to ChatGPT and I, I tell my partners, just send me the LinkedIn profiles of anyone that you're gonna recommend. And then I say to ChatGPT, I want you to pull their LinkedIn profile and match it to this format, right? And then it will do that. And then wait, because I don't stop there. I then say, look at their education and try to pull out keywords from the education profile on the university's website or the secondary education's website that matches requirements inside the bid. And then it will pull in specific items. So for example, it'll say, so-and-so attended like University of Victoria Computer Science, by the way, University of Victoria Computer Science specializes in security profiles uh, for like uh, electrical utilities or something like that. And then it'll give like the compliance rating and everything like that. So suddenly I'm creating these incredibly rich bios, whereas yeah. before I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's whatever he gave me sort of fits in yeah. there, right? Yeah. And, okay. and again, happens in 10 minutes. Like the whole process is is 10 minutes long. Something that you should Selfishly? take into I don't want to post this episode. Oh my, oh my. Okay, here's the question. Have you seen an increase in your award, win rate, advancement rate since starting to employ this type of solution? Uh, no. Uh, not but yet. yeah, not yet. And and the reason, honestly, is because most of my customers have a fairly long sales cycle. So we started, right. we started actively using ChatGPT maybe, I want to say 45, 60 days ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, we so are like in three to six months, we're going to see what the outcomes of that are going to be. We probably visit. I would be shocked if people who aren't using this tool, like I, I think the people who are using this tool are going to gain, like if you start now, you've, yeah. you're gonna get, like at least, I mean, it'll be a temporary advantage, but you will get an advantage, right? Mm -hmm. it, unequivocally. I'm yep. like, do we tell anyone? <laughs> but, that's what we call this I'm episode, maybe like the best kind of secret. <laughs> but let, let, let's, you know, like, let's not stop there though, because there are other use cases for the yeah. governance process. So for example, okay. say, Say that you've received really long documents or they make reference to another set of documents that they did not supply you with, right? Like they're like, oh, we also need you to be like fully compliant with XXX regulation. I know that a lot of companies punt that question by saying, we will make best efforts to like respond to regulation <laughs> or, you know, yeah. or at, at the time of, at the time of contracting, we'll have a conversation about this. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right. Um, now what you can do though, is you can go to the document, uh, or like give the, whatever the link they gave you or the name of the document, you can plug that into chat GPT and say, like, give me the top points 
uh, that this regulation is around or give me the top criteria. And then you can send that off to an SME and be like, hey, temperature check. How close are we to these points or like how compliant are we? And it's something very quick that the SME can kind of like quickly read a couple sentences and be like, okay, I understand this. Yeah, we are like 80% compliant or mostly compliant or something like that. And suddenly you've, you've streamlined that process and you can give a much better answer to the customer. And it works on like legal documentation. It works on regulation. So another example, for example, um, on one of my clients, they have a software uh, that um, is unique to Canada um, and is only really available in the Midwest of Canada. Yeah, yeah, shout out to the Maple Leaf. Let's connect some to call. But recently they made a bid to a municipality that has, uh, that is a Canadian company, but is using uh, American with Disabilities Association. So WCAG compliance, W-C-A-G uh, compliance to determine whether they can use your software or not. And right. what we, we had obviously never encountered this, never done this before. Here's what I did. I went to uh, WCAG compliance 2.0. I said, ChatGPT, read this and then read our product sheet and tell me how close we are, right? And, and like it quickly, it quickly just said like, here are areas where we definitely have match. And then it was like, you know, and so here's where like a human still needs to get involved. It lies. <laughs> ChatGPT is a large language model. It doesn't have intelligence. And so there are mm -hmm. situations where it will try to look at a word cluster and it will take a guess uh, about how close it is. And so what mm -hmm. I do though is I send that sheet off to a specialist inside the company, the, the user interface. Uh, expert and they can just quickly look at them. They're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And suddenly instead of them having to like read through all of uh, what okay, compliance and read through all and like with an understanding of their sheet, suddenly I've created a situation where like it takes them, you know, 20 minutes to go through something uh, net new um, instead of like having them spend their entire day trying to think about like, well, how close are we or like how helpful are we to individuals with like uh, special needs and in, in, when interacting with our software. So yeah, just a fantastic sign, like from a governance, and again, because I'm a governance specialist, a lot of this is mm -hmm. coming from a governance uh, viewpoint, right? It's like, how right. do I save time? How do I make it easier on my SMEs? How do I, uh, how do I make my responses a little bit more colorful? But again, going from a strategy side, that's where I like that first use case we presented where I'm like, I can incorporate a WinKeep theme like this and I can make my mm -hmm. writing, like I am not a strong writer by any means. And so when you ask me to like, uh, to write something at the end of the day or even during the middle of the day or suddenly like, oh, well, we need a narrative for this. I'm like, ah, deer in the headlights. <laughs> um, but it is so much easier for me to edit than it is for mm -hmm. me to like construct something wholly and to just ask ChatGPT, hey, I need like 20 paragraphs on this or I need like two and a half pages of, of this material um, and I need it to be stylized based on this. Like, again, super easy to ask it to like go to a website of the buyer and like look mm -hmm. for these key features in their about page and then come back to us and like compare it to something that we already have. Uh, right. As a, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic tool. That is actually incredible. Like incredible. <laughs> I just, it's I'm like actually, it, it really is. I, I had no idea that the, the functionality and the capabilities would be this large like i just didn't even know that all of this was even possible so especially within the space because immediately i was like nose in the air absolutely <laughs> not i am a human <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I got immediately i got immediately aristocratic 
when I heard about this, I was like, no, never. I am a human. I will always be required to write things. And now it's way more than that. It's way more than just being able to like plug and answer this question for me. It's, oh my gosh, like I never even conceptualized that all of this would be possible. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely fantastic. I'm really, really considering petitioning the team to not post this. one other one other really exciting uh, feature of this that we have been we've been starting to to utilize and again if you haven't used chat gpt it's just like it's just like uh, if you remember back in the day what, what was that smart child or whatever on aol instant messenger for those of us who are ages old remember that well, like bot that we used to <laughs> chat with Do you, was that smart child wow. okay so i wow, never am that I <laughs> I am dating myself on that, but there, it's 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 really similar to that. Like, it's, a, it's a bot. You enter. It's you just type it. You just type into a field. It's not like it, the user interface is super easy. You just go in. You ask. You ask your question. Heidi Ho, you're off to the races. Um, and we can talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the security implications of this and how we think that's going to play out in the future as well. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are real stuck in the mud about like, well, these models will the never data. do anything because of the security. But we have some answers for that. So just hang tight for a second. But one way that I have really really benefited from this is that. You can do competitive intelligence research with this. We just um, lost our competitive intel person at my company, and I showed my supervisor um, how we can go through and actually, uh, you can ask it, what's the difference between our company and this other company in this domain? Like, so how, how fast is our software? How long have we been around? How many awards have we won compared to this? And you can actually do like, like it now it's time constrained because chat GPT has certain, it's only been around or it only assesses data up to a certain to 2020. Point, right? to, 20, oh. to 2020. Okay. So some things may be different oh, okay. if your industry moves quickly, but you can still get a general idea of like, you know, this construction company versus this construction company, what do they specialize mm -hmm. in on kind of a global scale? So market mm -hmm. intelligence suddenly becomes a snap because you can figure out what your advantages are as compared to other organizations. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. So one of our this. that was one of the use cases we presented in our YouTube uh, that we did on ChatGPT. Again, same software company in the Midwest of Canada, um, where I asked them to compare themselves against a competitor. And what the interesting part was um, is it clearly like it pulled most of the information about our uh, stuff from product sheets, but it pulled the feedback that customers had posted probably on like G two or a similar software site. So all sorts of crazy stuff like, oh yeah, the user interface is not friendly at all, has a problem when trying to hand off like information between one screen and another. Like just this beautifully relevant information that I'm like, how do we use this in our bid, right? Like, <laughs> and, it, and if I had to go searching through that on the internet, I would never find it. But no. it was, yeah, yeah. But so you can it, tor it, torpedo, just, just launch those torpedoes. It <laughs> ah, Nicole, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, Nicole is rubbing her hands together nefariously. But, <laughs> nefariously, with a capital N. <laughs> so we are presenting all the positives. Do we need to talk about some of the constraints? Uh, or... Definitely, definitely. Okay. What do you, what do you, what do you think some of the ma major concerns? Like, what would be like the top three major concerns with utilizing a tool like this? to employ like on a consistent basis within a proposal person's role? Sure, uh, security, uh, we, we mentioned it before. Um, yeah. It's definitely there. Two is the fact that it is not intelligent. Um, so let, 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 me, let me do security and then I, I give you. So the idea is that uh, ChatGPT specifically works off of the uh, learning reinforcement human feedback model, uh, right. which means that information goes in 
it takes that information and it tries to adjust itself based on that. That means that OpenAI is technically grabbing all of your data and holding on to it. Uh, how they're reviewing it is uh, in three parts. They're reviewing it mechanically, they're reviewing mm -hmm. it uh, via experts, and they're also reviewing it by regular English speakers. Uh, so there's a lot of people that could be seeing your data or at least seeing your queries. Um, so there are ways of you uh, taking the large language model um, and getting updates from the human feedback uh, system, but you would have to buy that model from uh, OpenAI. You'd have to license it. So you would have to, then you would bring that within your domain and suddenly you control it, right? But like the- it That's changes. an option? Yeah, an expensive enterprise option. You're not going to do that as an individual. <laughs> yeah, no, that's on the order I'm, of but, hundreds of thousands, it, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Because I'm in cyber, that's in me, that was literally my first thought. I was like, wait a minute. Where's the data housed? Who has access to it? Is there a, a retention policy? How long is the retention policy? Where does it get to? If, it is a if there's a destruction policy, how does it get destroyed? Who yeah. has access to like that? Literally, I was just kind of like, and which is aside from the like being a writer and just being incensed by the idea that a machine could replace me, um, I was just, immediately it was the security concerns that kind of rose to the surface for me. So, yeah. understanding that there is, if you are a large enough organization and you have global sized um, proposal teams or bid management teams. It could be worth the money. If you spend a hundred grand to bring in an instance into your organization and win a $10 million bid, you paid for it multiple times over. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair so, enough. Real quick, Ben, do you mind if we just like pause on that point just for a second? Because I want to sure. talk about the fact that like that, while that is a limitation, we have been talking with folks like Javier Escarton over at DeepRFP, who is also another really great expert. If y'all aren't paying attention to what he's doing on LinkedIn or on his website, you really need to be getting over there to make sure you're, you're checking out. And he will out. be a guest on our podcast as well. Just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, lovely, lovely. So we'll have we'll have Javier. Um, but but what's what the model is when we're thinking about security in the cloud? It's essentially cloud versus on-prem, right? Like right. what's going to happen is the enterprise models will be built for customized, like for large organizations, they will be customized. They will be brought in-house, and those security questions will will be ultimately like pretty yeah. much resolved, right? So right. so so this technology as it exists in the cloud has risks. The technology if it's brought into the on-prem environment far fewer risks but again what to ben's point like extremely spendy so yeah i i think right now like open ai is basically the melting pot of longer language models like everything is flowing into central areas you're right as they spin off like single tenancy instances you're going to have a lot more control about where your data goes right just as you would in any like azure aws environment so uh a lot a lot of stuff can happen in the next five years uh, or even the next two. So it'll be interesting. Second piece, uh, and I, I highlighted it before, second concern, is that ChatGPT lies, um, not deliberately, but unintentionally. Where it is ignorant, it doesn't tell you that it's ignorant. Um, right. And, and, and I say ignorance with like quotes because it's not really intelligent. What it's trying to do is it has scoring models around the language and it tries to like, uh, attach those scoring models so that as you ask something, it tries to create the best score, right? And what that does is it means that it will make inferences that don't really exist. So um, I have an example where uh, it pulled information about GDPR and that information was not just dated, but not 100% accurate. 
Um, and when I took it to a security professional, they're like, yeah, at the surface, this looks fine. But me as a professional, I can see that it is making an error. It is making a factual error about mm -hmm. how, the, how the judicial constraint was on GDPR. And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. like I wouldn't have seen that because I'm not a professional in the area. Yeah. So you have to be a little bit cautious when you use it to generate like large amounts of technical content. Um, mm -hmm. Because like at, at a base level, it's fine. Um, but if you are trying to make a very specific suggestion, there is a danger that you're you're telling a fib. So right, yeah, that is that is really good. I love that you guys use words I use all the time: multi-tenancy, on-prem, in the cloud. That makes me so happy. <laughs> this is like the language I'm in all day, all every day. It reminds me very much of a sim solution so security information and event management tool yeah. um but big data analytics so those those companies that developed big data analytics i'm not going to name names y'all y'all know mm -hmm. <laughs> um for a sim solution with this same principle this is what this reminds me of and it very those companies and those tools have literally like launched into the stratosphere of that type of um that type of like device platform tool anyway um and i feel like that's literally what could end up happening with chat gpt mm -hmm. like because it is a big data language model platform it's the same type of thing it's gathering all of this intelligence it's, and it's learning at the same time the more you put into it the more it learns it's pulling this information out. You still need your people, your analysts, your tier one team to then assess, triage, investigate, and then escalate accordingly. Not me talking about exactly what we do every day. <laughs> <laughs> but also at the same time too, I, it's, it's yes, you have the human element to expand on it, but you getting that, that big data, getting those big language tools, um, that capability, into the writing process or even into just the response process whether you're using it using it for governance whether you're using it for the review phases whether you're using it for your orals and you're setting it up so that you can assess your competition mm -hmm. this is exciting stuff i love it oh my gosh this is so cool but in Nicole, wow what, I, what, like when we think about what this means for our future as proposal team members a lot of people are saying well gosh how like a lot of people have that same like you know a nose up in the air kind of well a machine can never replace us okay yeah right that's great uh uh but a nail gun replaced the hammer right mm. um and and what it means is that we, and we still use hammers it's we not still, like hammers went anywhere Right. Hammers, hammers are useful in certain contexts, right? Like, so, yeah. so it really just, it depends on the context. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. And really this is a, it's a, it's a tool. And if you're not using all the tools at your disposal, frankly, you're going to be left behind in the industry. And what I think Ben and I are observing as we kind of talk to folks about this, that our job is going to become now a little bit more focused on, can I write a really good question? Can I write a good query so that when I go mm -hmm. and find this, and it doesn't have to be like a SQL query. It doesn't have to be structured in the way of like a coding language. But if we think about like, a journalist, how do I ask this system a really good question? Then that can be of your internal systems. It can be of the global entity that already exists right now with ChatGPT. But but I would say, and Ben, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but I, I hope so, that, that asking really good questions is going to be a skill that we as proposal team members are going to have to develop like today, yesterday. Yep. Right. I was uh, I was talking to a local engineer here uh, who is a transportation specialist for TransLink in British Columbia. 
And uh, they said that prompt engineering is generally going to be a thing. Like sometime in the next two years, you are going to see a university come out with the idea of like a query engineer, someone who can like think about how to ask questions of data and get good answers back. Like a, a variation on a data analytics specialist, but uh, more so in that like specifically in a conversational model. So definitely, definitely something interesting on the horizon. And it lends That's itself to... It lends itself to what we do as proposal people anyway. We're really good at talking mm -hmm. to subject matter experts and asking questions of them to try to elicit these. So that's why I think we don't need to be afraid of this tool because our skills are going to be immediately transferable to using it. Nicole, do you like right. do you get that impression too? Yes. And so because especially when you are one of those people who prides yourself, like myself, on building relationships for cross-functional purposes. If one of the key ways I was able, one, to learn the service and the business and the industry that we're in is because of the questions that I asked. And I would get right down and literally have like those, those you know, face-to-face -face interactions with the people who knew the answers in my organization. And I would ask them certain things and they would be like, oh my God, Nicole, that's a great question. Okay, so this is how this happens. And, or this is how this happens. This is how we do this. This is why this happens. And this is why we do this. And then we get into the how how of it all. So just, you know, cultivating that curiosity. I talk about this. I think we've talked about this on the, um, on the show before, how curiosity as a proposal uh, professional is important. Um, so cultivating that curiosity so that you, you're wondering, speculating about all these different things um, so that you can ask the appropriate pointed curated questions so that you can get the drill down answer out of it. Um, key skill set to learn. And if you, if you're not that kind of person, this is definitely one of those things that's going to drive your innovative engine and get you really thinking outside of the box and mm. thinking of ways to get the answer that you need specifically for your project. This is super exciting. Super exciting. I hope everyone else feels it. Y'all are going to be like, she really is a nerd. She nerd right the hell out on this episode. I did. I did. <laughs> Nicole, your enthusiasm about it is so infectious because we feel the same way. Like, mm -hmm. and, and again, I'm not trying to speak, but Ben and I have been talking about this a lot over the last yeah, couple months yeah. and just saying like, this is, this is an inflection point in our industry and it's so exciting mm -hmm. and we are all going to be able to do a better job. And there's this, there's these concepts of like, um, almost even making work more accessible to people with disabilities. Again, like right. if you can't, if you can't plow through two or three pages of text at a time, you're trying to write these questions, synthesize these da this data points. It makes this job more accessible if we've got tools like this. So Absolutely. sorry, Ben. And I am, I'm going, this is your episode and I am talking entirely too much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, hey, me and Ben have been talking about this. Like, let me say it. Sorry, Ben. No. Absolutely, conversation. This has been so delightful. Y'all are so entertaining. I love how you bounce off of each other. It's literally amazing. Can I, I just want to be part of the family. You are. You are part of the family. But no, really, adopt me. But um. <laughs> By this time, our listeners know. Like, <laughs> you guys should know. We are not old enough to adopt is. Nicole. I don't think. I I am. Okay, listen. I'm not. Ben and I. She's your. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
that's one of the many the many concerns in this situation. Um, all right, friends. So we are racing up on the end of time. We're, we're actually going a little bit over on this episode because I think it's a really dense and, and, and rich topic. And I'm certain that we will be addressing this more. But Ben, uh, what, what's a parting thought that you'd like to leave with our audience about like the future of, of AI tools or you know how you intend to use them or encouragement? Like, What, what do you think our listeners should know? Look, uh, any time of change is uh, is one with a lot of fear. Um, I know that we all get worried about things. This mm-hmm. is an area where your concerns have a little bit of validity. Uh, and so with that in mind, it's a good time for you to take a little bit of time and just play with it. Like, honestly, uh, the things that you fear are the things that you don't know. So go out. Uh, OpenAI has uh, ChatGPT. If they don't, then you can use what's called their playground session. If that's full... Uh, you could go to Write Sonic and use their chatbot. It's free up to like 2,500 searches per month kind of thing. So, uh, or 2,500 words, I can't remember exactly. There's like a lot of different ways that you can kind of start getting used to the tools themselves. And that way, when change does come down the pipe, you're a little bit better prepared. You're a little less fearful. You could start thinking about how to use it in your life. And honestly, when that happens, that's when I think that you can accelerate uh, your growth in this profession. So... Don't don't be afraid. Go out there and get some play time in. Nicole, what do you think? Uh, honestly, this week I wrote into the planner. At the start of the week, I was planning for the week, and I wrote, "There is nothing wrong with using all the tools at your disposal." In my, I could literally open it. I could literally open it and show you. I wrote that down today. So when Catherine said that, I was like, "Oh my." Y'all scare me all the time with this stuff, but <laughs> like how we're just like, but that is literally, that's how I would leave it. That that would be my sentiment. Exactly what Ben said, you know, yes, be concerned, but go play, go figure it out and use the tools at your disposal. Every, use everything that is available to you to help you be successful in the role. Yeah, because your competition is. Because your competition is, like Same. I said, I, we did not want, I don't want to post this episode. I'm going to, but I don't want to. <laughs> if you're up against one of us, you're also up against our robot, our robot assistant. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, good, good luck, everyone. The, the, the small <laughs> robot army. Right? <laughs> All right, friends. Well, thank you so much for joining us again for this very special episode of No Really Everything's Fine. It's been a delight to join you from the nether regions of the Vancouver airport, as Ben has already kindly, kindly told us about. Uh, Make sure that you are visiting us wherever podcasts are produced here. We've got Podbean. We're on Apple. We are all over the place to get your to get your No Really Everything's Fine fix. Furthermore, if you'd like to get in contact with Nicole to get a copy of one of those planners, I highly recommend it. Nicole, where can folks go to purchase the next iteration of your planner that's coming out? Uh, you can literally come, go to the rpqueen.ca um, or shoot me a message on the LinkedIn profile page. Just shoot me a message. Hey, let me know. I, I want to be on the sign-up list for the next the, for when the next pre-sale hits. And I will make sure that you are on that list and well, I'll get that out to you. There's going to be a lot of some email marketing campaigns coming. There's a new product launching like in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I am super, super excited. We're in the testing phase for this new product. And um, yeah. So yeah. Love it. Love, love it. And just so everybody... Oh, just so everybody else knows, uh, Proposal Industry Experts has launched our first paid offering where we have mobile courses that are delivered directly to your phone via text or to any digital device available for $17 a month. It's a special price for right now. Um, So 
please don't hesitate. If you're part of the No Really Everything's Fine family, we'd love to have you over at our mobile courses uh, where we will be putting together chat GPT classes this very weekend. And this weekend is uh, the last weekend in February. So if you're listening to this after that, you can access chat GPT information on the Proposal Industry Experts website as well. And as always, if you're interested in joining us on the No Really Everything's Fine podcast, don't hesitate to email us or send us a chat on the LinkedIn page. We're more than happy to entertain any ideas that you have. And we will see you next time in the Flaming Dumpster and in the Vancouver Airport. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. That was great.